Well, welcome to everyone this morning, and I see a number of guests here today, and we are so happy to have you in service with us today. Thank you for being here, and uh, if it's your first time ever in an apostolic service, we welcome you, and uh, we may be a little different than what you might be used to, but we're okay with it. Amen. If you're watching us online, we welcome you as a part of this service as well. Pray that you are blessed by the presence of the Lord that's in this place. If you'd stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord, we're going to Hebrews chapter number 6. chapter number 6 and beginning with verse number 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. The, the word leaving there doesn't mean abandoning or neglecting or forsaking. The word leaving there means to, to go forth from. If you, uh, if you walked into school the first day of school of ninth grade and you got seated and, the, and your teacher said, All right, everybody ready on the count of three. One, two, three. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You would be, you would be pretty sure that you're in the wrong class, right? I don't even know if you sing that after kindergarten, because you you go on from there. Everything is built on that, but you don't stay there. So that's what the scripture is saying here. We're not neglecting or forsaking these things, but there's more than just these things. Of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they should fall away to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation though we thus speak for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. To the full assurance of hope unto the end. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The Living Bible says, verse 11, this way, And we are not anxious, and we are anxious, that you keep right on loving others as long as life lasts, so that you will get your full reward. Then, knowing what lies ahead for you, you won't become bored with being a Christian, nor become spiritually dull and indifferent, but you will be anxious to follow the example of those who receive all that God has promised them because of their strong faith and patience. And then also those two verses in the Amplified Version say it this way, But we do strongly and earnestly desire for each of you to show the same diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full 
assurance and development of your hope until the end. In order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggers, sluggards, but imitators, behaving as do those who through faith, by their leaning of the entire personality on God and Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and good, goodness, and by the practice of patient endurance and waiting, are now inheriting the promises. I want to preach to you this morning for a little bit on this subject. Assurance, not insurance. Assurance, not insurance. Father, we thank you so much for your presence that we have felt in this place. We thank you for your spirit that we know, we feel, we see has been working and moving in hearts and lives in this place. Thank you for what you've already done. I believe you've already touched and healed and delivered and renewed. You've already met needs in this place this morning, and I thank you for that, Jesus. And now I pray that you would continue to minister in this sanctuary and that you would do that through your word, that you would speak to hearts and lives that are in this place today. God, don't let this just be a sermon this morning, but let it be a message that would come from you and let our hearts be good ground that your word might be sown into our hearts and produce what you desire. In the name of Jesus Christ, Father, I trust you today and depend on you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's not really the main point, but I think it's important to note these last couple of verses, and they are communicating to us as the first couple of verses of this chapter did, that there, there is, there's more. There's always more. One of the awesome things about a relationship with God is there's always more. You've done something and, and you, you maxed it out. You completed it. You finished it. There was, there was no more to it. God is not that way. There's always more. There's, there's always a deeper depth that you can go to in your relationship with God. There's, there's always higher heights that you can attain in your walk with God. If, if you are a Christian who is bored with Christianity, it's not because God doesn't have more. It's not because God can't do more. It's somehow because maybe you've become content and satisfied. You've lost the passion and the hunger that you've had before but according to the word of God there can always be more my parents came to this town in 1970 to start this church I was born in 1971 and this is this is pretty much all I've known all my life and having been here for 49 years saying that a couple of more times it doesn't get old. I've been in literally thousands of church services, and it doesn't get old. It doesn't get old because I know that every single time we get together, there is no limit to what God can do, what God may do. There's, there's no limit to who God might heal. There's no limit to who God might deliver. There's no limit to who God might save. Praise God. The scripture tells us in verse number 11 that we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. The word insurance, and I know most of you in this room today are familiar with that word and Familiar with the two words in my title, but let me just give you the basic definition of these words. The word insurance is a practice or arrangement by which a company or government agency provides a guarantee of compensation for specified loss, damage, illness, or death in return for payment of a premium. The word assurance 
is the state of being assured, being confident, being certain. It's being certain in the mind. It is confidence of mind or manner, easy freedom from self-doubt or uncertainty. In 2019, there was 1.32 trillion dollars spent on insurance premiums. 1.32 trillion dollars spent on insurance premiums. 762 billion was paid out, meaning there was a lot left over. I I don't want to think about in 25 years or so of owning a house or a townhouse. I don't want to think about the tens of thousands of dollars that I have spent on insurance. If I'm not mistaken, in all of those years, we have filed one claim on insurance. That I, they gave us a couple of thousand dollars. You pay thousands of dollars on car insurance. Same thing with that. In all my years of driving, I don't know if I've claimed more than three or four times something on insurance. But they have thousands of dollars of my money that I will never see. Insurance is one of those things that if you need it, you want it. You're glad you have it. But if you never need it and all you're doing is paying, you wish you had all that money. You see, you may or may not need your insurance. I'm thankful to have health insurance, but I don't ever want to use it. I'm glad it's there, but I don't want to ever have to make use of it. So it's, it gives a little bit of peace of mind that if I need it, it'll be there. Can I tell you today, God is not intended to be your insurance policy. That you pay Him some premiums every now and then, and whether that's through your financial giving or your prayer or your worship or ministry or whatever, it, it's God is not intended to be your insurance premium or your insurance policy that He's there if you need Him. He's not there just to make everything here and now good, better. He is there to be the assurance. Because you may never need health insurance. You may never have to file a claim on your homeowner's insurance. You may never have a situation where you need to use your automobile insurance. But the Bible says this, It is appointed unto man once to die. We could sit here all day long and debate what happens after death. We could argue all day long what happens after death. I believe what the Word of God says. I believe there's eternal life and there's also eternal punishment. I, I believe that. I believe it with everything in me. But at the end of the day, we really have to take that on faith at this point. And while there may be those of us in this place that believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that there is eternal life, that there is life after death, I don't know how you can tangibly prove it, prove that. I, I know there are those that have passed away and, and, and had visions and things happen and came back to life and have shared those, but that's still their story. And let's be honest, just because they say it happened doesn't mean everybody believes. But there is one thing I don't think we can argue about. You will die. You will not live forever in this life. 
whatever happens after death, it is appointed unto man once to die. And so while I may not have God just to be my insurance policy in this life, I do want to know that I have the assurance. I've got the certainty and the confidence that if nothing else, if never in this life do I feel like God does anything for me, do I, do I feel like God grants me my wishes and desires to have the assurance When I breathe that last breath, I've got the confidence to know that I'm going to enter into eternal life. Just this past week, a young man, as many of you know in this room, the older you get, the higher the definition of a young man gets. I got called a young man just a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> but a couple of days ago, 35, 36-year-old, name is Anthony Trimble. He's a minister in the organization that we, that this church is a part of, very talented singer. I don't does he play as well? Musician, husband, father of three young children. Just a couple of years ago at a North American Youth Congress in front of thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, he testified that God had healed him of, I think, colon cancer. But it came back and just a couple of days ago, this week, passed away. I got to tell you, friend, When all is said and done, if you don't have the assurance that whatever the outcome, there there are things, I I know I'm the pastor here, but I'm just going to tell you, there are things I don't understand. There were, there were thousands of people, literally thousands of people that had been praying for Brother Anthony Trimble. And there, were, there was all kinds of faith and confidence that God can do it. Why God would let a 35, 36-year-old man with a couple of small children who had lived his life dedicated to God. Why he would let that sickness be what seems to be in this moment victorious I don't know, but I got to tell you, as I've read through some of the posts on social media, especially of his family members, they have an assurance. (laughs) They have an assurance. You see, insurance couldn't save him. Insurance couldn't fix the cancer. But there is an assurance that while we may now have a loss on this side, heaven has a gain because while this life may not always go the way we want it to go, it's not about this life. The Bible says if you have hope in this life only, you are of all men most miserable. But I believe that when he breathed his final breath, He had the assurance. The Bible says absent from the body and present with the Lord. Luke chapter 16 verse number 19. Jesus says this. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented. In this flame. 
But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good thing. Remember that thou in thy lifetime had insurance. You had a backup plan. You, you had the resources you needed. You, you didn't have to rely on God. You, you had the ability to do what you wanted to do, but likewise, Lazarus received evil things. He didn't have insurance, but and thou art tormented because he had assurance. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. You, you, you had the opportunity, Mr. Rich Man, in your lifetime, you had the opportunity to, to receive the same thing the beggar received. But you were more focused on the temporal dimension and what you could accumulate in, in time. Anybody ever seen a funeral procession driving down the highway? Anybody ever seen a funeral procession driving down the highway with a moving van in the procession? No, because it doesn't matter what the possessions you've accumulated in this life. It, it doesn't matter what your portfolio is. It doesn't matter what the house you live in, the car you drive, the clothes you wear. Isn't it amazing we basically always leave on the same level playing field? So there may be some things I can't take from this life, and there may be some things God has actually blessed me with in this go with me but I've got the assurance the old song says it this way what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see when I look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land what a day what a glorious day that will be there'll be no more sorrow there there'll be no more burdens to bear no more sickness, no more pain, no more dying over there. And forever I'm going to be with the one who died for me. If you don't have that assurance here today, can I tell you, you can leave this place with the assurance that whatever happens in this life, whatever ups and downs I may go through this life, I have hope in the life that is to come. Hallelujah. The world would call Christians crazy for believing in life after death. I call the world crazy for making such a big gamble. Because you know what? There may not be life after death. And if I get to the end and it turns out death is the end... I've lost nothing. I've sacrificed nothing. I've lived a life of peace and joy. I've been blessed with a wonderful wife and four great kids and, 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 and a family, not just a, a family by birth, but the family that's a part of the kingdom of God. And so if I get to the end and find out I didn't need to go to church, I, I didn't need to pray, I didn't read, need to read my Bible, if I get to the end and find out that's the case, I've lost nothing. But if you get to the end gambling on the fact there was nothing beyond death if you live your life risking that at the end of when you die that's it and you find out you find out there's you want to talk about an oops that's an oops except that's an oops that you can't undo the bible says as a tree falleth I know I don't want to cross anybody this morning. I don't want to offend anybody this morning. But there is no place you go to after death that you spend time earning your way out of that place. The condition that you die in is the is what determines your eternity. You say, well, that, that seems kind of unfair, don't you think? If we didn't have this... 
it would be absolutely unfair if we didn't have the Word of God that has all of the truth that we need, it would be unfair. But since we have this book, and from Genesis to Revelation, it gives us everything we need to know, then no, it's not unfair. Jesus says in Matthew twenty five thirty two, And before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the King say unto them on His right hand, Come ye blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I... I, I I saw a a meme the other day for you older folks. A meme is basically a photo with words on it. And I I don't remember the exact thing it said. But the gist of it was something along the lines of having grown up as an evangelical Christian. All these different things I've heard all my life that have caused me stress and Anxiety, i.e., heaven and hell. See, the only reason that should cause you stress and anxiety is if you're not choosing to believe in the reality of it and live a life according to the Word of God. Because I don't live every day in stress and fear and anxiety over heaven and hell. My focus is not on hell. My focus is on the eternal reward that I have been promised from the Word of God. And again, the life that I live because of that is a life worth living. They're going to be separated one on the left, one on the right. Matters. It matters how you live in this life. Matters what you do in this life. Because it's not about this life. Said it just a couple of weeks ago, I think, but I'll say it again today. We all started off, give or take, nine months in the womb of a mother. But it was a womb. It wasn't the destination. It wasn't the goal. I, 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 apparently there are some mothers that enjoy being pregnant. i got to tell you, the woman I married... And lived through four pregnancies with. Did not enjoy. She looked forward to being delivered. <laughs> and thankfully, we, don't, we, we have no recollection of the womb. We, we, we don't remember what it was like there. And... We know that that was not our destination. Nine months in a womb was only preparation for this life. Nine months in a womb was so that organs could grow and limbs could grow and a life could be healthy enough to then survive outside the womb. It is a sad thing when people view this as the destination. It is a sad thing when people view this as the end and don't understand really all this life is, is a second womb. This life is just a second womb for the final life. That's why i got to be honest with you, if this really is all there is to it, life is so unfair. Not saying in some ways it isn't unfair, but still. If this is all there is, if this is the end, the fact that we don't all get to live the exact same amount of days, the fact that we don't all have the same amount of money, the fact that we don't all live in the same kind of houses. I am repressing comments that would get me distracted. It's unfair. It's unfair that a 
35, 36-year-old life would be what we called cut short when others get to live to be 90, 100. It's unfair. But it's not just about this life. And this life is not where the fairness is. But when we get to eternal life, what it's really all about, where we, where we really are being prepared for, that's where it all balances out. No more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering. Paul says this, second, or excuse me, in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We should live that way in this world here and now. Why? Because we are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I I hope I get this story close enough. I think I've got it pretty accurate, but months ago when Brother Ron Richards went into the hospital with COVID, they asked him, If you die, do you want to be resuscitated? And he responded and told them, No, I'm ready to see Jesus. And if I got the story correctly, they called his wife because they were afraid that he was not lucid. Isn't it funny? That if you think you're ready to see Jesus, if you're anxious to see Jesus, the world thinks you've lost your mind. Well, i got to tell you how as a Christian I feel. If you're anxious just to stay in this world, live this life with all that's going on, I think you've lost your mind. Because the real solid sound mind says, I'm looking forward to something else. I'm not putting all of my hope in this life. I'm not investing all of my dreams in this life. But I'm looking for what is to come. First Peter three, first Peter one, excuse me, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That, my friend, is what the old song calls blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation. I've been purchased of God. I've been born of His Spirit. And as we've already sung about today, I've been washed in His blood. And incorruptible, Jesus says, be careful where you put your treasure. Because wherever you put your treasure, that's where your heart is. If your treasure is in this life, you have a corruptible treasure. It's not an uncommon story for someone to have achieved great wealth in this life and through some kind of catastrophe lost it all. That's not an uncommon story. Oh, my friend. There is an assurance that whether I gain or lose in this life, Job said it this way, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. My assurance is I have been investing my treasure in some place where it is absolutely secure. Jesus said where thieves can't come in, where rust... Well, I'm trying to put two words together. Rust and moth. Roths. Cannot decay. Oh, my friend, you want to talk about a safe deposit box. You want to talk about a good vault. Put your investment, not in this life, but in the life that is to come. And you know what is so amazing to me? Is if the only thing God did was give us eternal life, what more could we ask for? If He gave us eternal life and never blessed us in this life, I don't really know how you could complain. But what is amazing to me is not only does He give us the assurance of that eternal life, but He is more than willing and He blesses us in this life here and now. Last passage, 2 Timothy 4, verse number 6. Apostle Paul winding down his life, writing to Timothy says, I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. What an, what a, what an amazing attitude. I know that it's the end for me, and I'm ready. Paul said in another place, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I, I, I know, you know, there, well, I, I guess I'm hearing there's some spikes again in COVID. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I don't mean to be unkind, but there, there, there's no reason a Christian should fear COVID. I'm not talking about being careless and what don't don't misunderstand my point. Because the bottom line is there's no reason a Christian should ever fear cancer. And there's no reason a Christian should ever fear a heart attack. There's no reason a Christian should ever fear a car accident. Because God decides before you ever born the day, the time, the moment. And the bottom line is this. All that those things can do is transition you to your eternal reward. What is that to be afraid of? What is that to fear? The only reason to fear it is because you don't have an assurance that you know what, if it does take my life, it's okay because I have the assurance of what's to come. That this is not the end for me. I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only. <laughs> Here's the assurance. Paul says, this isn't just for me. I, I'm not just somebody that's special and I'm getting this because I'm, I'm different. I'm better than everybody else. But Paul says, there is one for all of those that appear, but unto all them also that love Him at His appearing. That is the assurance that every one of us can live with. That's the assurance that every one of us can have. I don't have to fear what's to come. I don't have to fear the next life I've got the assurance here and now that he has got me in the palm of his hand and everything that happens in my life happens according to his will his purpose, his plan you see if God is just your insurance God actually can be a little bit, I hate to tell you this, God actually can be a little bit like insurance companies. Anybody ever had or going through the experience 
where you need to make a claim for insurance, any kind of insurance, and the insurance companies are fighting to pay. Any, anybody? Hey, look, at, look at that. Look at all those hands. Isn't that crazy? They want me to give them my money freely, regularly. And when I need a fraction of it, I'm not even asking for all of it. You got to jump through all kinds of hoops to get it back. And I'm sorry to tell you, but God can be perceived that way. Because sometimes when you go to make a claim on your insurance, He doesn't give you exactly what you're asking. He doesn't do exactly what you're asking Him to do. I, I won't trick you into this. I'll just tell you in advance so that no trick questions. If I were to ask the question right now, is there anybody in this room that has an unanswered prayer? I would be pretty certain that there would be some hands that would go up. I'm pretty confident there would be at least a couple of people that you'd raise your hand and say, I have an unanswered prayer. Can I tell you this morning, there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Oh, I've got some unanswered prayers. No, you just haven't heard the answer. Because the reason we all would say we have unanswered prayers is because we have asked God to do things that He has not done. We have asked Him to give us things that He has not given. And so therefore, we have unanswered prayers. How many of you parents today, the only answer you've ever given your children in their lives is yes? Yes. You want to go there? Yes. You want to do that? Yes. You want to drink Mountain Dew at midnight? Yes. I love, we've all, most of us have done it, and as parents, most of us have all heard it. I know you're going to say no, but can I go such and such and with so and so? No. Oh, man. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You told me in advance, you expected the answer. You knew what I was going to say. Now why are you upset? You see, God never leaves a prayer unanswered. I will acknowledge to you sometimes He is actually basically doing what you're hoping He would do, but He doesn't do it like that. He takes His time. He works it through a process. There are times in which He has answered you, but the answer is no. say, well, I didn't hear Him say no. Yeah, and sometimes with my kids, they ask a question. They didn't hear me say no. They knew the silence was no. You see, I referenced the verses earlier, or the verse earlier when we were about to pray, but the book of James, it says, if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders and Let them anoint them with oil and they'll pray. They'll pray to the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. It doesn't say that the prayer of faith would heal the sick. It says the prayer of faith would save the sick. Why does it say that? I believe the reason it says that is because God is more interested in your eternal salvation than He is in your temporal pleasure, enjoyment, ease, convenience. So sometimes He does allow things that are not pleasant because of what He's ultimately working them toward in our lives. Do you have the assurance today? Do you have the confidence today? The certainty of mind. I know. I know where I'm going. I know God's got it all under control. I 
I know everything I'm facing has got to work together for my good. I have that assurance. Would you just, for a moment, right where you're seated, if you just bow your head, close your eyes, and, and, and if, if you would acknowledge that in some way this morning the Spirit of the Lord has been talking to you, would you just respond to Him in your own words right now? Prayer, there, there's no formula for prayer. Prayer is not about some certain terminology, some certain language, some specific way. Prayer is just simply you communicating to God what's on your mind, what's in your heart. If you don't have that assurance this morning, and you want that, why don't you begin to just, just simply tell Him that. God, today, I want that assurance. I want the assurance, God, that my life is in Your hands. I want the assurance, God, that whatever comes after death, I don't have to fear. Whatever I'm dealing with in this life, I don't have to fear because I've got the assurance. Romans 8, verse 28, Paul says, We know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good in our lives. It's easy for us to believe the good things are working for our good, but it's a challenge for us to believe that the things we consider to be negative or bad are working for our good, but all things, all things are working for our good. As you continue just for a moment with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, if, if nothing else, just out of respect for those around you. If, if there's somebody here this morning and you would acknowledge, you, you know what, I don't know that I quite have that assurance. I'm not, I'm not quite sure I have that assurance and I want it. Whether you come here regularly or you're, you're a guest today, if you need that, if you want that, would you, just, would you just stand right where you are and just lift your hands to the Lord right now as a sign to say, God, I, I need that assurance today. I want that assurance today. I want the confidence and the certainty of knowing, Lord, that everything is in your control. Everything is in your hands. That no matter what I face in this life, no matter what ups and downs I go through in this life, I have the assurance you're in control. Some of you would look around you. There's a few folks that are standing. If there's someone nearby you, would you join with them for a moment here and just begin to pray with them? It's God's desire that every single one of us would leave today with the assurance the absolute confident assurance I've got no reason to fear I've, I've got no reason to worry I've got no reason to be anxious I can be confident because of the assurance because of the assurance that the Spirit of God provides in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Father right now by the power of your Spirit today. I pray that you would touch our hearts and our lives, Lord, with your grace today. Oh God, I pray for any individual here this morning that maybe they're battling fear and anxiety and worry and doubt, that you would give assurance today. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, we trust you. We trust in you today, Father. What we see with our natural eyes may be uncertainty. What we see with our natural eyes may be chaos and confusion. But we can have an assurance. We can have an assurance from you today that is not dependent upon any external circumstances. It's not dependent upon any external situations in our lives. That it is, it is a peace. It is an assurance that is steady. It is unwavering. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. As we continue to pray for a few more moments here. If you need to go or you'd like to go, you're welcome to do that. We're so glad you were with us today. If the Spirit of the Lord is ministering to you, talking to you right now, I would encourage you not to be in a hurry. 
Let him do what he wants to do in your heart, in your life today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the assurance. Thank you for the assurance that is available to us today. The blood that you've shed, the salvation you provided for us. Thank you for the assurance today. Thank you for that assurance today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine! I'm an heir of salvation, purchased of God. Praising my Savior 